0: Money FM eighty nine point three, best of weekends.
1: Four months after the shock resignation of former Malaysian Prime Minister Mahathir Mohamad, he has his sights on yet another political comeback. Joining us on the line is Niall Bowie, a correspondent for the Asia Times. Niall uh, had the good fortune to interview Mahathir Mohamad uh, this past Thursday. Nile, welcome to the show. Reading the interview that you had done with him, the Q&A, it was uh, kind of typical Mahathir. He didn't hold back, did he?
2: It was a, a fascinating interview. I've long followed Mahathir's career, and this was the longest time. I've interviewed him before a few years ago, but this is the longest time I've had with him. I, had, I spoke with him for about an hour over Zoom, and, uh, you know, the, the mood was, was very comfortable. There was a great sense of rapport. You know, we threw some hardball questions at him, but, you know, with a smile and a chuckle, and I think we were able to get some really unique answers out of him, and um, I think that that is reflected in the interest that local media in Malaysia have shown in the story. And, and just to give a little bit of background, um, one of the reasons why I think that is is because he recently uh, broke with Anwar, Anwar Ibrahim publicly, who's the president again, of
1: again <laughs> man,
2: party cutting on Rakya. Yes, yeah, so he said earlier this week that you know, we're not going to work with Anwar over this dispute over who would be the prime ministerial candidate if Pantatan Harapan comes back to power, either through elections or through uh, some sort of parliamentary majority. Um, you now, I, I went into this interview expecting that he would take this opportunity to needle Anwar, basically, and I was expecting him to, to come out swinging, but he actually was quite, um, quite dovish, and he said he wanted to help Anwar. You know, uh, but he he lamented that Anwar didn't have the majority support of of MPs and wouldn't have the majority support of Malay voters, and people wouldn't support the Pakatan Harapan if it was just his candidate, if it was just him as prime minister. But with Mahathir leading the ticket, they would. So he he explained all of this, and I think he did go into further detail um, than than he had previously on a lot of these issues.
1: Hey, now when he said that about Anwar, I read that in your in your article, and it seemed, I, I don't know, as I read it. It seemed kind of disingenuous, you know, to me, given their history and given, you know, really all the bad blood for for uh, Mahathir to now say, oh, I'd, I'd really like to help him, but he just doesn't have the popular support. Well, one of the reasons he doesn't have popular support is because he's been thrown under the bus so many times, including by Mahathir quite a number of times. Did you get Precisely. a sense that that was a genuine, I really want to help him, or was he just sort of saying it?
2: Well, well, or could you tell? Okay, the, I mean, it's hard to tell. On, I on, the, on the one hand, you know. Mahathir arguably has never given a full-throated endorsement of Anwar, even when he was Prime Minister recently. Mm. I mean, he could have stumped for him and could have explained why he is the leader that Malaysia would need going forward, but he, he never did that. He always was coy. He always said it's up to the parliament to decide, you know, and uh, he, he backed away from this, which was the promise, you know. This is the whole basis of Harapan working together, Um, You know, that he would pass the baton to Anwar, you know, whose whose time has come and, you know, who leads a uh, Malay led multiracial party that many in Malaysia see as the future formula for Malay politics going forward. And Mahathir still sort of sees uh, himself and he sees the realities of Malaysian politics in terms of race based nationalism and this is something he reiter- reiterated. He interestingly said in one of the questions that you've got to be more tolerant with us going forward. We will be more liberal. We will be more democratic going forward, which so I thought was very interesting. It's a very wide-ranging interview that gets into international issues and a whole host of things, but as far as whether he's gen- genuine about Anwar in this case, I was just surprised because I, I, I really sort of set the question up as, in terms of what are your, what's really behind your doubts here, what's really behind your distrust and he was very, very casual. He there's no distrust, you know. I, I sensed some, some um, you know, lack of enmity, if you will. I mean, these, these, these two have worked together, but, of course, um, the situation now is such that if they don't come to some kind of compromise about the leadership, uh, uh, Prime Minister Muydin Yasin's government is going to be at an advantage. Obviously, uh, Pakatan needs to work together. They need to come together But it's not clear if a Mahathir Anwar formula will be a winning formula at the ballot box if it comes to snap polls, which there's a lot of chatter that it might lead to that.
0: We're talking with Niall Bowie, the correspondent of Asia Times, and you touch on something there, the key issue that I felt reading the whole interview, it's a terrific interview, The theme of race-based politics kept coming up time and time again. Even his comments on Anwar, as you said, I'm quoting him directly from your interview regarding Anwar. It's not about distrust. It's about getting the support of the people. While Anwar used to be very popular, now he has lost quite a bit of the support. That is a direct quote from Mahathir. This idea of support, this idea of, of Mahathir rather than Anwar, rather than the incumbent, being still the face, the voice, the representative of the Malay people. And I felt reading the interview, he focused again on China. He focused again on Chinese relations. He presented this idea a little bit of China being a little bit belligerent in the South China Sea. Is he playing the racial political card again? Malays against Chinese playing one off the other. And he is the voice of the Malay majority.
2: I mean certainly that's always been the political formula and interestingly my editor had asked you somewhat came to power you somewhat uh, got reelected on a ticket of pushing back against China's influence in Malaysia you can think of the Forest City property development in Johor when he was on the hustings he would uh, call that uh, development out, you know, as sort of a Chinese colony. And in the interview, he was like, "We don't have a problem with China Chinese. We have a problem with Malaysian Chinese. They're very dynamic people, but the wealth gap is too large." And you know, we asked him what What is his biggest failure?" You know, as a, a, a legacy question, and he said, "It's the gap between rich and poor, and the gap between races." You know, um. So this is this is still a compelling message to a lot of Malays, and of course, this is the demographic. That, that he has to go after. I mean, obviously, Anwar has the liberal-minded urban Malays in the bag. But mm. the whole the, the winning formula here is the fact that you know, Mahathir can bring in a lot of these conservative votes, you know, going forward. However, um, if you look at uh, some of the by-elections toward the latter end of Pakatan Arapan's 22-month premiership, if you look at Tajang Pi, which had, I think, the lowest—it uh, was a by-election—had one of the, the lowest uh, turnouts you know, for, for a Mahathir party in history. I think it was the lowest, you know. So some analysts look at this ability, this claim to represent the Malays, and they're, they're not as sold on it, you know, as they were previously. Uh, and if we look at what Muyadin Yassin is offering, this Koran malay coalition of, of all the, uh, the ethnically exclusive Malay parties, uh, this is going to be very compelling and a formidable force if and when uh, Malaysia goes to the polls. And I'm talking to the opposition folks now, and they say that we're concerned that we'll go to a COVID-19 election and all of these social distancing measures would be used to hobble campaigning. I mean, this is, uh, if it's called this year, as many speculate, because uh Mudeen has got uh, like 114 MPs. He's got a razor-thin majority. If two people jump, three people jump, it's over. You know, and, and he's, he's got to dissolve his, his uh, cabinet, cabinet and parliament and potentially call elections. It's not clear what he would do in that scenario, but it's obviously he's on very shaky ground. And some analysts are, are thinking that if the, the government can, can get this together, if they can stay united, pas and uh, Perikatan National, the coalition, they have a, a real chance at winning
1: It was interesting that, you know, when you were talking to Mahathir, and we're speaking with Nal Bowie, correspondent of Asia Times, that he was very clear about the level of corruption that he perceives with Mujahideen's government and supporting Najib and how he needs to have Najib support him to stay prime minister and to keep that razor-thin coalition together. Um, he also took shots at uh, the various players in the 1MDB scandal, uh, tell us a little bit about his reaction to that.
2: Well, uh, the language he uses to describe Mudeen, in our interview, he he's quite a dictator. And he's mm-hmm. called him a, a traitor and, and a betrayer in various uh, you know, other uh, instances. So this is actually sharper, I would say, than some of the language he used against Najib in the previous election, mm-hmm. uh, calling him a thief and whatnot. Um, but of course, you know, the, we, we, we contextualize 1MDB as the... As the epitome of omno 's money politics its you know uh, political patro- uh, pa- patronage and whatnot, and uh, you know we asked him, uh, you are at the helm of omno for twenty two years do, do you uh, yeah, do you exactly. own up to any of this you know yeah. um, uh, and he said well he-, he he dodged you know he said i inherited it and he, and- and he went on, on on an explanation there and essentially dodged the question mm. um, but he he has to his credit been very consistent about Uh, not working with who he views as kleptocrats, uh, not working with omno en bloc, you know. Honestly, if Monetaire wanted to be leading this coalition, he could have betrayed Anwar and Pakatan Harapan. He could have been prime minister right now. He could have opted to go ahead with the Sheraton move and, you know, join Mu'yedin. And he he could have been at the helm of this government, but he backed away. And he said, no, he's going to stick with Pakatan Harapan and stick to his guns because he doesn't want to work with parties that are led by individuals, which he sees as being beyond the pale. So he's always, to his credit, very consistent on this. Um, and, you know, he's uh, no surprise there. He needled Goldman Sachs um, and needled Najib. And uh, you described uh, the dynamic there. It's a catch-22 for Muridin. You know, what is he going to do? If, if, if Najib is thrown into jail, I don't think Omno is going to be very happy about that. They could, you know, turn the whole table over, leave the Perikatan National Coalition, and then Mu doesn't have a majority there. So he he is somewhat stuck in a sense. You know, you can't jail the leaders of the party that you're aligned with. You know, that's the situation he's in.
0: Yeah, right. Speaking of Catch-22, I was fascinated by your chat with him about the ongoing trade war between China and US and this idea that smaller nations, he said smaller nations in this part of the world would have to pick a side. And it was interesting that he was trying from the quotes I read, trying to see it from both sides. But ultimately, he couldn't resist the anti-China stance by the end of it. I mean, how, how did you see it?
2: Okay, so we have to contextualize Mahathir like this. So he's going to be 95 next month. He was born when Great Britain's King George V was in power. This man hails from uh, an era of anti-colonial struggle. So his position on the big powers, whether it's colonial Britain, whether it's hegemonic United States, whether it's rising China, has always been consistent. He's always been consistent on these things. And I, I mean, I think his views on foreign affairs are really interesting. And, you know, a lot of people would, would say that Mahathir is more anti-American than anti-Chinese. Um, but, you know, his, his view, he... he uh, talked about China's policy in the South China Sea, which is frankly unacceptable to pretty much every government in Southeast Asia and uh, people in the region you know he's talked about uh, how big powers you know dump money into arms and all of this and he's always been quite a pacifist and quite a dove and uh, he he spoke about how so-called civilized big powers are uh, you know actually quite primitive if they resort to war so I always respect these views I think these are very he, he tells it as it is. You know, as far as this is concerned, uh, whether he, he, he tilted towards China or not, the fact is that China is is a big market um, and for Malaysia and a big market going forward. He sees obviously the rise of China and the coincident decline of America as a, as a fact, and you know he, he knows that he doesn't want Malaysia to lose out. Um, by, by pushing too hard. I think he said something like, you know, we have to say the truth, but we also have to be diplomatic about it. So y- you can only rock the boat uh, to, uh, you know, so much. And uh, as Malaysia, being, being the size and the sort of middle power status that, that it's, it's uh, aiming towards, it has limited leverage. But of course, uh, Mottir has always uh, punched above his weight and always spoken, you know, uh, uh, with a loud voice and uh, upset, upsetting quite a lot of people doing so.
0: And finally, for me, as you said, there he's ninety-five. How did you find him when you was interviewing him? Was he still mentally agile? Was he still on the ball? What was your general sense of his demeanor?
2: Agile is an understatement. He uh, he floats like a like a butterfly, stings like a bee. Let me tell you, um, this, this guy talked to me for an hour. He was so sharp. He didn't drink uh, a sip of water, you know. And he was he was just loving the questions, you know. He he seemed was in his element. You know, we we were throwing. Uh, hard balls and curveballs at him, and he was, you know, answered every question with a smile and a chuckle. And we asked him some pretty cheeky things, like we asked him, for example, um, would you consider joining the DAP? You know, which is uh, pretty much asking, would you consider joining the Chinese? I mean, and he had a good chuckle over it because these two part, these two parties, they're allies now, but they have a long history of, you know, um, uh, being at each other's necks and, and hurling accusations and whatnot. But they're on the same side now, and they seem to work pretty well together. As far as his his competence. Um, you know, I've seen some detractors sort of make the the argument that he's becoming senile and whatnot. Um, I don't see it personally. I mean, he's he's sharp um, and uh, he, he he's witty. He hasn't lost his sarcasm. Um, and and when when you're facing down the man, you can see. For yourself, why he has this uh, magnetism and, and charisma? I think he's, he's a fascinating leader. You know, and, and just this morning I was looking at his uh, some of his social media postings, and he's cycling around jaya At this age, I mean, there's
1: nothing else like it. Now, Bowie, uh, correspondent for Asia Times, thanks so much for that uh, in-depth look into your interview with Mahathir Mohammed this week. And, of course, people can find that online on the Asia Times site. In fact, the Straits Times uh, today has a story about your story, uh, your interview as well. So uh, they picked it up,
0: too. Thank you, gentlemen. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg